G'day and welcome to season two, episode 32 of Hometown Glory. Okay, first off, I promise, I promise, I promise that's the first and last time we do any laboured Aussie jokes. Maybe, probably not. Who cares? Anyway, we're all very excited. I'm Charlie and I'm delighted to be here with Billy, Rosa and Tom to talk about Tottenham Hotspur with a men's first team head coach. Welcome, Big Ange Postacoglu. Postacoglu, I said it wrong the first time. I promised myself I would get it right. Postacoglu, Postacoglu, Postacoglu. 72 days after Antonio Conte flounced, the exact same amount of days, incidentally, between Jose leaving and Nuno arriving. Um, We do have a manager. We have no idea what to expect, but I think it's safe to say that we like what we've been reading and hearing, and we've pretty much talked ourselves up into being pretty excited about the first Australian manager in the English top flight. So on this episode, we'll be capturing our initial reactions to Big Angie's hire. We'll be discussing what to do about the biggest elephant in the room, Harry Kane's future, and giving some rapid takes on how our new Spurs dad is going to set about reshaping this weird squad he's inherited. Um, firstly, Rosa, to you. Now, you were on Radio 5 Live this morning to discuss this very exciting appointment, um, and you were on with a Celtic fan. Um, as ever in these situations, I think it's instructive to hear just how devastated or otherwise fans of the club a manager is leaving are um, about this departure. Um, and they're pretty gutted, fair, fair to say. Yeah, she was totally, totally gutted. I actually felt really bad. So she was on first and she gave this like totally sort of heartfelt speech about like everything he'd done for the club and how much like all of the Celtic fans are kind of taking him to heart, even though, you know, loads of them didn't know who he was before he started. And he, you know, as he said himself, he was a bit of a joke at first. Um, and then they were just all like fully, fully bought into what he was doing. Um, and they... It's quite weird sort of see, hearing it from the other side because obviously we're like, come on, like who wants to join Tottenham Hotspur? Come on, come on, come on. And she was like, and she was saying, oh, and when we all kind of finally realised he was actually going to go and it's all happened really quickly, it's been really heartbreaking. I think they thought that he was going to stick around for longer and I felt really bad. But she also made him sound absolutely amazing. <laughs> so I was like, well, if you're going to go around telling everybody how incredible your manager is, like somebody's going to pay attention and uh, bad luck love it was us so i felt terrible but then i was also completely buzzing because it like it couldn't have been like a better reference um have you been quite quick to come around to becoming exciting about this appointment because i think it's fair to say most people had a fairly sort of seriously we're going for that guy reaction initially and like I said at the top, I feel like the more we've all read and, you know, dug into and listened to these sort of both heartwarming and heart sort of pounding speeches and stories that he tells about his backgrounds and his philosophies and all the rest of it, you know, we've all, we've all gotten pretty amped up about this. What, what's your, uh, what's your Anne's journey been, Rosa? Yeah, I'm a bit scared now because I feel like I've never wanted something to work out so much. I feel like already really emotional about it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Because as you mm. know, I was, um, you know, I was living with like the sort of slot propagandist in chief. So our household took it pretty hard when that like non-deal fell through. Um, and then after that, I was just like, do you know what, guys, I'm not. I'm not reading anything. I don't want to look at any tactics videos. I don't want to do any of this stuff again until like somebody has actually signed. 
Um, and I nearly stuck to that. But actually, because it all happened really quickly, mm. we haven't really, there was a couple of days, I think, where I felt a bit of fear. Mm. But then it just all seemed like it was definitely going to happen. And then, like, I almost when I went on the radio this morning, I was like, did it, has he actually signed? And he already had. <laughs> I was like, oh, some, he's like, he signed, somebody's really signed a contract and they're really doing it. So my journey has actually been very quick and very intense because I'm like, I'm really ready to love him now. And I'm not, I don't know, look, I've I've genuinely got no idea how it's going to turn out, but I mm. really I honestly believe that we are going to have some fun. Like even just like that two and a half minute video of Celtic against Real Madrid that somebody posted the other day. I was like, this is absolutely incredible. And I was like taking every single like missed shot completely personally by that point. <laughs> so, and I'm not, you know, I'm like, are we allowed to go past the halfway line? How's that going to look? So, I mean, there were, there were sequences in that video and obviously, you know, they did lose that game three nil, but, but there was Madrid, sequ- you know, that's they fine. Were, it was Madrid, not yeah. every team can beat Real Madrid, you know. Oh, no, no, not no. everyone can score three goals at home <laughs> against Real Madrid. Um, but yeah, they were like sequences and runs and little one twos and things that I just don't think we've we've really seen for a while. So yeah, and having I'm, a go, but having too. like a go from good positions, not mm. just oh god, I've got here and now I better have a shot. It was or, like the misses Harry were so us. near. Yeah. Exactly, loads of different yeah. players, and all the misses were like really, really close. So I've I sort of. I just feel like we're kind of weirdly for us because of the last few years, it feels like crazy, unexplored, quite mm. scary territory attacking football. Yeah. With a manager that, that with a manager that, you know, let's be honest, most of us knew absolutely nothing yeah. about, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, Billy, you, however, I reckon, mate, you're someone who has been very up on Ange from pretty much the word go. In my book, I've I've definitely been exchanging many, many messages with you where you were banging the drum long before most of us had sort of got excited about it. What um what first attracted you to uh your your new your new Spurs dad? Um yeah, man, it's just like the vibe that he, he sort of gives off, and that's something which my like simple football brain like really uh, is attracted to, like just the way that he talks, um, the way he carries himself in interviews. And I wasn't really like um didn't really have that kind of deep knowledge of him. I just saw a couple of like Celtic speeches and interviews. Where I, I really sort of thought, because I feel like that's the thing that the, as a Tottenham fan, we've been craving for so long since Pochettino left. We've, we've been so starved of that. Like we haven't really felt connected to a manager since. Um, and it's been a real sort of negative time. We've had lots of moaning. We've had lots of like sneering, looking down on us, see it from our own manager and things. Um, and the way that he spoke, you know, I find really positive. And then last, it's actually last Monday, I was... Um, you know, I, you know, like Rose, I was really sort of connected to Slot. I thought that he was going to be a really, really good choice. I was really excited for that. And I know as me and you last week, um, when we saw each other in person, um, we were kind of walking home and it was it looked like we had Slot in the bag. And then I went, was walking to school the next morning after that and it had collapsed. And I was sort of heartbroken, really, because I really had convinced myself that Slot was a one. And then the, the weekend after, I was sort of driving. I had to go pick up my brother from Heathrow and um, it's like 1 a.m. in the morning. And um, I put on a podcast, a fighting cop podcast on Postacoglu with an Australian journalist. 
and he kind of summarized his like career. He was talking about like Brisbane, um, that it, they basically were a league team that had like these big name stars, and he rocked up there. He he sold all the big name stars, got them all playing attacking football, got the nickname Barcelona, and won the league. Um, went to Japan and you know played amazing football there. Um, one of the things that stuck out is he played a, a friendly of Guardiola against Man City because they're a City group team as well. Um, they had um, and Pep was like really singing their praises after that. He said it's the best test they've had this summer. Um, and after listening to that podcast, I was that's when I became like, oh, this actually could be really really good um, because it ticks a lot of the boxes for me, like attacking football and personality. Um, and they for me they're two things which we've been massively starved on. But the the thing that I think that the most positive of all of it though it's just the fact that you know someone in Australia um you know people talk about his CV that he's only managed Australian teams and Japanese teams um but if you're an Australian coach what are you supposed to do like it's it's unheard of an Australian manager being in the Premier League um so I think you know mm. the fact that someone is actually going to see this as the pinnacle of their career and they'll be so proud to be the very first Australian in the Premier League and this will be sort of everything they've been working towards for 20 years I think that's the biggest positive for me because we were so used to the last few years of having managers, you know, that look down on us at every given opportunity and say, you know, I can't possibly complete with Macy Milan and all that kind of stuff we've been hearing over the last four years. To have someone who's actually going to say, do you know what? I've been working my whole life to get here and now I'm here and I'm going to make the most of it. And that for me is like the most exciting thing by far. Mm. Um, Tom, anything to counter this sort of wave of excitement and enthusiasm? I don't want to put you in the position of uh, bringing us all down, but just to sort of uh, provide any sort of counterpoints. The the doomsayer. Um. (laughs) I kind of um, refused to engage with it until the last few days. And then Mm. I've watched a lot of videos of him and become uh, and kind of been won over. What I would say is I've had a lot of stick from, from fans who aren't football fans who aren't Spurs fans kind of screen grabbing that Wikipedia list of clubs that he's, (laughs) that he's managed. Um, my best mate, who's a Plymouth fan, saw the list and went, oh, yeah, we had, we had a couple of players from Brisbane Raw. Um, so <laughs> that kind of made me worry a bit. And what I also would say is when I've spoke to um, mates, Scottish mates, who are fans of other clubs um, in, in the Scottish League, they're well chuffed that he's, he's leaving Celtic because they all think he's a brilliant manager. He's done an amazing job. And they all seem to think he's a thoroughly good bloke, even when they're mm. fans of rival clubs. But I would say that all of the Scottish fans also add, you know, something about the terrible standard of that, that league. And this is a league they watch um, week in, week out. I mean, Cameron Carter-Vickers is an absolute star there. Bring, maybe bring yeah. But, and Joe um, Hart, yeah. Yeah, and Joe Hart. But, oh, and it's worth saying, the uh, cup that they won the other day, they were playing um, a team who'd already been knocked out of the cup uh, uh, earlier in the competition when they played a Scottish team who fielded two ineligible players, Queen's Park, <laughs> I think it was. So, yeah, Scot- Scottish football is a bit Mickey Mouse. But, no, generally, I am so excited to see attacking football I think, mm. like Billy and Rose have said, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And again, yeah, like like they said, someone who is going to see this as the absolute pinnacle of their career, I think everyone gets overexcited about specky German like academics. This guy seems quite a, a world. All right, mate. No need to no need to indirect me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but you know this, this this guy's a world away from that, and I love the the passion that I've seen 
in mm. those videos. And yeah, after Conte, Mourinho, I just want to see us want to have the ball um, yeah. after those Conte, particularly the end of, of Conte's reign. So yeah, I'm I'm up for it. We'll we'll get into the sort of recruitment side in a bit, but I I, I too have sort of that I got sought out at work by two Rangers fans, quite big Rangers fans, and they were both raving about him, but both made the point that he was able to improve Celtic sort of immeasurably by kind of plundering the Japanese league for four really, really good players who instantly raised Celtic's level. And apparently he that's a bit of a trait of his. He sort of takes control of transfers and will sort of go back to where he knows and pick players up from previous leagues, which... I suppose he can't really do here because there's not, I mean, there might be one or two Celtic players that could sort of improve the squad, but probably won't come in and improve the starting 11. So you you just hope that if we are still planning on getting a director of football or if he's going to work with Scott Munn really closely on sort of identifying people that he's able to, you know, talent spot um, at a level that is actually going to impact us in the Premier League. Um so yeah, something to be mindful of there, and we're we're going to dive into the sort of potential ins and outs. But yeah, I'm just dying to say very quickly, just a couple of things. Um, Victor Anyama played for Celtic, right? He did, yeah. So, before, you know, before Southampton, yeah, exactly. So it's not like there aren't gems to be found in that league. But and... Virgil Van Dijk as well. You know, he was oh, did he? Okay, followed well, that same path. Yeah. There we go, elite. Um, one other thing I will also say is the whole. No, do you know what? I'm going to say. I'm going to say two more things. One, I love the fact that he seems like a genuinely good dude, and I'm never going to apologise for being kind of sentimental about that and wanting that, wanting to be represented mm-hmm. by someone who actually seems thoroughly lovely and kind of very upstanding and decent. Um, and the other thing is, I think the sort of you know we don't know. It could all be disastrous, but I think it's there's such a lot of weird prejudice. Like football's so weird because it is such a meritocracy in some ways right people really like the best really do kind of rise to the top um but there's also just loads of like horrible prejudice just and really you know some very dark stuff and some just really dumb stuff and I was listening to an interview with Natalie Portman the other day because she's obviously one of the founders of um Angel City FC and she was saying that because when they set up that football club um, in the women's league in the states, they went looking around for investors, and they had all you know all of the evidence, all of the data, and it was like this is something you should invest in. We can you know we have all the evidence to back it up, and people just said no, like just completely against their own interests. Again, it was like don't you want to make money because of the prejudice they had about women's football, and I think men's football has that too about different leagues and about players from different countries. Mm. It's really we're just so kind of stuck in certain ways of thinking. We all have, I mean, we all did it about slot as well. Everyone's like, well, you know, we don't really know if you can make the leap from the Dutch league. Mm. So it's just, we don't, we just won't know till he gets here. And I think it's perfectly plausible that someone has taken a really, really, really long time to find their way to this job because of like ridiculous preconceptions that people have. Yeah. And the fact is, you know, he was a very unremarkable player who I think retired at 27 or something. So you're not talking about like a Steven Gerrard getting sort of to pick his first job and, you know, go wherever he wants. You're talking about a completely unheralded sort of Aussie international having to 
work his way up. Of course, it's going to take 20 odd years for him to arrive at the Premier League. I think that's completely natural. Um, I'm really excited about the sort of communication side of things because I think you know, we're talking about him being, you know, from this sort of unknown part of the world and all of that stuff. But one thing, of course, that he won't have any trouble with is communication, which can sometimes be, you know, if a manager arrives and he doesn't speak very good English and even Potch, right? You know, he arrived at Southampton and had his translator for the first couple of seasons. And even in his first season at Tottenham, his English felt, you know, like it was, he was still getting, getting to grips with it all, which, you know, you'd imagine does impact your ability to get your message across when you're trying to change things up tactically and the mentality of the team. Whereas I'm just so excited about him hopefully being able to communicate in a very direct, very sort of instant way with, with the group and also with the fans. Cause you know, I, I was really getting excited today, just, you know, thinking about the first few interviews he does and him, you know, as, as silly as it is, cause of course, you know, these interviews all follow the very same scripted path and they're designed to get us all, buying, you know, replica, replica kits and renewing our season tickets. But, you know, just having someone like Billy says, like Tom and like Rosa, you've all said, someone who is going to sort of rev us up and feel, you know, passionate about being here and be excited about being here is it's exactly what we need. And I'm, I'm just buzzing to have someone, you know, talk to me as a fan in a way that is going to get me excited about going to the stadium again. I think what's amazing in those training videos that are doing the rounds online as well is just how direct he is. Mm. And as someone who has like, I've been, you know, I've got Australian friends and worked <laughs> with a hell of a lot of Australians um, over the years, you like they're nothing if not direct. Like they are so direct. They tell you exactly what they think of you. And I think in those training videos, his instructions seem incredibly simple uh, to the players. And, you know, again, what Celtic fans have said is that he doesn't suffer fools, he doesn't like egos, and he's very happy to kind of re rip up and rebuild the squad when he needs to. And Jesus Christ, do we need that? <laughs> it's um it's interesting the communication stuff. Cause I was listening to the podcast that Alistair Gold recommended people listen to, which was called Masterminds with uh, Anthony Hud Anthony Hudson. And he was talking about his communication style and he was saying that if you ask any player that has ever worked under him, they'll all tell you that the longest conversation that they've ever had with him is about 60 seconds. He just, he doesn't do big sit downs. He doesn't go and sort of put an arm around the shoulder and do these sort of, you know, huge, how are you doing chats? He's just the same. And whilst he is very sort of concise and to the point and isn't particularly sort of warm and cuddly in that sense, Apparently, he's very democratic with this. He's the same with, you know, Harry Kane to the sort of kids cleaning the boots to the people, you know, making the food in the canteen. And that that was sort of surprising to me because I had him down as, you know, listening to the sort of speeches on the pitch and everything else and the way that people speak about him. You know, Joe Hart was talking about him as if, you know, this is the finest coach he's ever he's ever had in his career. In my head, I was like, oh, he must have these like incredible bonds with the players. But I suppose it goes to show that, you know, footballers are simple creatures, right? They just want sort of straightforward instructions given to them in a way that they can sort of easily digest and feel confident to go and execute on. So, yeah, it all seems to be exactly what we need, maybe. I don't know, Billy, is there any, are there any sort of red flags for you? Like, is there any, because, you know, I was reading Dan Kilpatrick in the Standard today and he was talking about 
you know, Postacoglu himself talks about needing a little bit of time when he arrives at a club to sort of implement his methods. And it's always a bit bumpy to begin with. You know, I suppose one fear is that we are notoriously unforgiving with slow starts and, you know, the Premier League itself is, and the the attention that he'll, he's likely to get if things don't go right, sort of from the off. Do you, do you worry about us getting off to a bit of a slow start and the pressure mounting on him? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I worry about. One of them is um, the fans, like you say, but I, I actually, I think over the last week, there's been a quite a big attitude, attitude shift towards him. I think like, Generally speaking now, the, the, there's a lot of positive will behind him from the fans on Twitter and stuff. And I've seen a lot of people that maybe weren't convinced to say, right now is our manager, we've got to back him and stuff like that. But I think generally speaking, a lot of the fans are now excited about it. Um, I also do think we've had a lot of reflections to do over the last few years as a fan base because, you know, we've seen what Arsenal are doing. And, you know, obviously they spent a long time with Arteta finding things out, took two, three years them to get to the position they're in this season. Um, and I think that will maybe in a way help us because we need to think, you know, it's not going to something which is going to change overnight. Um, so I hope that we're more patient with it. And I also, I know that for his, in his Celtic first season, he lost three out of the first seven games, um, which for Celtic is quite a big, big deal. So, you know, they don't tend to lose. I think he lost 18 games in his whole career in total there in two or three years. Um so they got off to a relatively slow start for them as well. And then they ended up winning the league. So I'm not too worried about it because I think as a fan base, we're just, I just think if you get us playing good football, mm. you know, we haven't had that for so long. And I think people are going to be really appreciative of that. And I was really impressed because the reports last night said, um, he's going to be on a two year deal with an option for a third year. And then he's come out with a four year deal today, which I think says a lot about our club mm. and what, you know, this is going to be the start of a project now, which I think we've all been crying out for. So I'm not, you know, it's, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. You know, if we end up losing the first three games heavily, then I'm, I'm sure there'll be, mm. the noises will come out. But I do think that the fans are going to be quite patient with this. And as long as they're sort of seeing ideas on the pitch, it could happen. My other concern is how well our players are suited to play in attacking football, just because they're so, they've mm. been relentlessly drilled into sort of anti-football for the last, you know, since... Um, Mourinho came in in particular the, the way that sort of Conte works they're sort of turned into like anti-football robots and I, I don't know how long it's going to take to coach that out of them um, but on the on the plus side of that we haven't had a coach for a long time you know we've always had sort of over the last few years we've had these managers say well I'm not going to I'm not going to improve these players you need to buy me new ones and all this kind of stuff and this is the first time a lot of these players will be sort of in really really coached um, on an individual level so I, I think both red flags that I have, I think, could be quite easily resolved, I hope. Mm. I think um, the players will love it, actually. Because I feel like yeah, you could even... I think you could too. even see it, like, a little bit with Ryan Mason. Um, just, like, just a, a moment for the end of, of that dream for me. Um, but it's fine. Well, maybe, maybe he stays on. Check it. Well, I no, maybe I don't want him on. to. What I want, actually, is I want him to go somewhere else and then I can have a little section of this pod every week to check in <laughs> Ryan on Watch. Ryan Mason yeah. FC. Um, but I think you could see. I think you could see it even in like just like in moments where they it was like they were just kind of rediscovering how to sort of use their bodies properly. You know, and it's not. Yeah, because like we Basuma, did Basuma and people like that. Yeah, I think I think they'll take to it really. I think you know there there will always be some who will not. And they'll probably go right because you know fine. we're talking we'll about yeah. we're talking about going into a summer where there's going to be a pretty hefty turnover. You'd imagine which. Leads me to my next section of the podcast. Um, first off, I'm, I'm going to ask a few a few questions. Um, 
we're talking about players maybe feeling a bit liberated or, you know, enjoying the coaching or the style of football. Give me one player each who you think is going to be the sort of biggest winner from Ange's arrival. Um, Tom, you first. Uh, I'd love Sonny to get back to his best. And I think um, last season was so weird for him. Uh, I think if he's kind of unleashed by an attacking coach, um, mm. yeah, I'd love to see him back to where he was when he got that golden boot the season before last. I imagine, I, I think if we do sell Harry, I can kind of see Son enjoying that extra responsibility. I think we had a little flash of it in that those first few games during the sort of Kane City saga a couple of summers ago, where particularly that game against City where Son sort of, seemed like he was putting the team on his back and he scored the winning goal. And remember the celebrations at the end, it was very much like, this is my team now. Um, and then that, you know, sort of disappeared again. But I've, yeah, I I would love a sort of sunny revenge season. That would be one of my favourite storylines of next year. Um, Billy, you next. Uh, I mentioned it just now, but Basuma, definitely for me, um, because we started to see glimpses of it under Ryan Mason. Um, what happens when we release the shackles of that, a player like that? Mm. And I think he's, I think it's so exciting. I really, really do. I think we haven't seen any of it because the role that we were asking him to do is just not something which he is designed for. Mm. Um, and the, in the, in the, one of the best things about the last couple of games of the season, one of the only good things was Basuma and just sort of seeing what happens when he's on the ball and the, the things that he can do. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, I also do believe that you know I, I don't know too much about the, the whole tactical side of Rostokoglu's um, football, but I do know that I think Basuma is going to be really well suited to that, that midfield three that he has or the the midfield system that he has. Um, so yeah, definitely Basuma for me. It's a cliche and one that is used far too often, but he really is going to be like a new signing. I think Basuma, yes, right? I mean, we just definitely. like you said, but we've seen so little of him, and what what little we did see, he just seemed to be a complete shadow of the fella that we saw at Brighton. So yeah, I am very, very excited there. Um, Rosa, your pick. Oh, I think I'd like, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Porro. Mm, um, positionally. Yeah. I like him so much. I really do. I just, I, you know, he was bought for, for a specific position for a specific manager and that manager fucked off, but actually he's done great. And like all of his goals are like incredible. He only scores like Galazzo's. Um, so I really want him to stick around and I would really like Postacoglu to kind of figure out a way to make him work in his system. Um, I would also, I, I'd like to think that we could rediscover the Kulu magic because he's had such a bummer of a season. And I think as much as he was like, you know, he, he never said anything bad about Conte, but I just looking back now, I think he just wasn't really feeling it to be honest. Mm. And I'd like to see he, him he unleashed suggest, again. Yeah, looking at how how Ange's teams seem to play, the the front three, the two wide guys in the front three, apparently they stay really wide. Their job is to sort of hug the touchline, beat their fullback, get balls in. And I think I think Kulu could that's that's him, right? That feels like, you know, the sort of tricky winger that can put in incredible crosses into the box. That that would seem to suit him. The Poro one's really interesting because, again, I'm not um, a sort of tactical whiz by any stretch, but reading, a, and I've been trying to understand what inverted fullbacks actually are because we have obviously just been, uh, you know, wing-backed into submission for the for the last couple of years. So this idea of inverted fullbacks is completely foreign to us Tottenham fans. And 
you know, we have a sort of hodgepodge collection of sort of wing backs and Ben Davies now, but it, yeah, like Poro, what he does with him, I'm super intrigued. This is a guy who costs like the best part of 40 odd million. Like you say, Rosa, for a coach who disappeared about a month later. I, I wonder if he does get repurposed into a more attacking player because whilst, you know, he has, he did score a couple of really lovely goals defensively, he was pretty atrocious for yeah i don't i don't really want to see him at fullback i think and that's the thing he looked he looked pretty awful at (laughs) wing back defensively let alone playing in a back four let alone playing in a team that's going to be attacking all the time pushing forward so yeah what he does with pedro and let alone what he does trying to figure out how to do this inverted fullback thing with the fullbacks that we have i'm not sure um yeah maybe spence actually i mean that's another (laughs) one like it just feels like there's so many players, isn't it, where we don't really know what they're actually good at or what they what they can or we sort of saw like flushes of what they're good at. Um it feels like anything's sort of possible. Like you can, you know, like me and me and Ollie were talking about this the other day, but like remember all those years when like Dembele was played out on the right mm-hmm. before somebody, you know, that we don't speak of anymore, just went, What if I put him in the middle? You know, like and then we were like, Oh, this Eric, is he's a completely yeah. different yeah, and Eric Dyer, all of that. Eric, like, Eric some Ericsson's played on the left wing under Sherwood as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Luca yeah. Modric <laughs> was stuck out on the wing. Like we yeah. we have a we have a history of this. <laughs> yeah. So just it just takes somebody with a bit of imagination and creativity. And I think and crucially, like the players have to be and bravery as well. That seems to be yes. this this thing that comes back and comes back. And all the players talk about, you know, here is a coach who emboldens them to pass forward, to take a risk, to not worry if it goes wrong, he'll take the blame. And, you know, all the Celtic guys all seem to say that over and over again. It's just that, you know, that pressure being lifted from them as players because their manager has sort of got their backs that they have to play this way. And and actually he'll be pissed off if they don't. I suppose that's the thing. He's sort of putting the fear of God in them to keep going forward because otherwise he's going to be, you know, dropping them and calling them mate, but in a sort of nicely passive aggressive way. I really enjoyed like listening to a lot of his press conferences and the way that he he sort of weaponizes the word mate, which I think is a really like beautifully Australian thing that they do very well. It's, it can, you can feel like they're absolute best friends when oh. they call you mate. And sometimes and other, other times it's like a threat. And I I've read recently that if, so, if an Australian likes you, they call you a cunt. And if they don't like you, they call you mate. <laughs> <laughs> Something to take, uh, you know, bear in mind Tottenham press back when you do your press conferences with, with Andrew. Yeah, and um, I was <clears throat> so I've been sort of drinking in all the content all week. Um, plus, you know, since this sort of news broke, and um, I, I can't remember the exact details, but if you search Udoji's name on Twitter, it'll come up. There's a a guy who makes TikToks, and he was the one who made the original TikTok on Ange Postecoglou that was doing the rounds, uh, sort of like a three minute video talking about his inverted fullbacks and all that kind of stuff. And he is convinced that um, Udoji will be a massive player for Postecoglou because. Um, again, I, sorry, I can't remember all the exact details, but there's a Celtic player who had similar sort of profile and basically moulded him into a completely different player. And he predicts that the same will happen with Udoji and he's got the same kind of qualities as that Celtic player. And um, it, it might be a completely different role to the one we're expecting for him. He's got all the sort of qualities to mm. fit in Andrew's system, but in maybe in a different way to what we're expecting. So I think that's another one to look out for. Um, if you search Udoji's name on Twitter, it will come up because I forgot the, the finer details of it all, but... Um, I think that's definitely one to watch over the next the next year or so, and that's a 
I know there was a Udinese player that came out at the weekend and said um, that he's the best fullback in Serie A and they're really going to miss him. So I think that's a really, really exciting signing that's going to come in and hopefully make a difference straight away. Um, speaking of players that have been out on loan, um, give me a name of a player that has been on loan, not not uh, not Udoji, but one of the sort of returning loanees that you would want to see given a chance under Ange. Um Rosa, I'm going to give you five minutes to talk about uh, Giovanni. No, please, yeah, please let me go first before all the other ones, are, before the good ones are taken. <laughs> you get to go first. You went last last time. You get to go first this time. Um, I want to see Spence come back, and I would also, I'd like Brian to come back. Actually, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced he will, but I'd like to see him be given another go. But mainly Spence, I'm, I'm like buzzing to see him back and be given a proper go. Why aren't you convinced, Brian? might be given a chance I don't know just just the vibe maybe just from talking to you guys actually because I think I thought that he would come back and now um and then I think other people were like oh he's not coming back but maybe he will I don't know do you mm. feel like he will I think we need wingers I think we're gonna guess, you know yeah. we're still playing it sounds like we'll be playing a system with two proper wide guys and we've lost Danjuma we've lost Lucas so we're down yeah. to you know basically Son and and Kulu and that's it right I'm quite sad so. about Dan Juma actually because I think he showed like flashes of you know real kind of skill and I feel like we wasted six months of his career we totally did yeah and such I, a waste of time I'm not so like I'm not I'm like I wouldn't be surprised if even if we'd offered him something he'd have gone are you fucking kidding me no thanks the fact so, that his only Premier League goal came with that um that goal to pull one back against Bournemouth and then they went up the other end and scored yeah. 30 seconds later. And the fact that I don't that was remember old, that. I don't remember those games. The fact that was his old club as well just really sort of sums up his <laughs> sorry loan spell with us. Um, okay. I liked Brian. Spence. I just liked him. He was fun. Like I feel like I thought he was absolutely useless. And then he, he had like a few games. I thought, actually, okay, this guy's got something. And then he went out on loan, which I didn't understand. It was that Palace so, away game, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the one, the one away game apart from the Leeds game at the end of the season. We won pretty comfortably and he looked... You know, he was actually useful in that Very second half. Very sprightly, yeah. Mm. But mainly okay. Spence, I think, yeah. I mean, Spence is interesting because, you know, we're talking about fullbacks. He's still got, he's still coming back to find, you know, Emerson Royale, who might be the sort of player that he likes. I don't know, maybe not. Mm. But, you know, he's got him and Porro still ahead of him. And maybe Porro does get. I'm just not know. counting Porro at all. I'm basically saying we've got he two can't right defend. backs. He can't he defend. Can't. He cannot. He's, he's going to have to be a right winger because he can't. Mm, I think you're right. He, him yeah. and Kulu can sort of joust for that spot, maybe. Um, That's some good, right, okay. sexy jousting. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, your turn. Which of the loanies are you given a second shot? I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, I'm going to say the same one. I know oh. I was going to say the same one. <laughs> so Just the, for our the, good man, Ash, as well. Yeah, exactly. If Ash was here. Um, the, the, you know, when you're on Instagram and you forget you follow people, when these, I have keep seeing all the posts from players leaving the club that they're on loan. And it it's like, is this a threat? When you, when you like the Winx one, so thank you to the fans at Sandoria. Anyway, I keep forgetting all these players that we, we that we own and they're, they're popping up on my Instagram. I'd but literally yeah, just forgotten about Winx, even though yeah. I had a conversation about him earlier today. Yeah. Winx, La Celso, um, all of them have been doing their goodbye messages to the clubs they've been on loan at. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to say Ndombele. 
Uh, and I don't really know why. You're killing me. He hasn't shown it. <laughs> I think Ange could kill him. I think if if um, oh, if well, Ndombele has to play this system, it might finish him off. Great. That's what he needs, though, doesn't well, he? He needs to and, die. And he's been, <laughs> well, well, for example, Winks, Winks uh, has been at a club that's just been relegated. He's at least been at a club that has won the league, uh, has seemingly a very good coach. I think he's just left. Spurs, yeah. Yeah, but they're clearly, they played some good football. You know, Usually, can... though, without him on the pitch, we must say, he was basically a sort of victory cigar player <laughs> played, for them. He played a little bit, yeah. He was. I on think the towards the end, he, he did. He out. was because I had this argument with Oli when they wrapped the and league I was up. Like, he didn't play, <laughs> and he was like, he played in a Champions League semi final, Rose. I was like, I think you'll find it was a quarter final. So I won that argument. But um, I think he did actually start some games, but yeah, they were like twenty points ahead by that. But yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. I don't know why I'm saying it. But I mean, you know, we we obviously need some creativity. Like God knows, this team needs a bit of fun. And he's still on two hundred k a week, so we've for got two more years, yeah, for two more seasons. Um, do we? Okay. Do we? Hmm. No, I mean, I would. You know, I, mean, I reckon he's going to want to look at him. I think he'll want to look at maybe a few of them. I mean, my. My one, I know Rosa hates him more than it. any. Don't do it, don't say it. I honestly, I, right, so I am going to say Lacelso, and I'm going to say Lacelso because if we are moving to a system where you've basically got one sort of pivot, as tactical nerdy people say, so one defensive mid, and then two sort of number eights, sort of marauding central midfielders ahead of that defensive midfielder, sort of linking play and getting into the box, we are so bereft of sort of technical central midfielders that I think he's going to at least want to have a look at like a Brazil, sorry, an Argentine international who's played, you know, in Champions League and done pretty well, et cetera, et cetera. So I reckon I'm going to say the Celso because I reckon people like Spence will definitely get a fair go because the club will sort of make him, I think, sort of have a good look at Spence. Um, and Don Belli, I just think it's going to last about three training sessions. Um, but it would be great. It would be so fun if there was a, a Tongi redemption arc to this season as well. Um, so La says mine. Billy, who's yours? I'm going to have to go on Dombele as well. And, and the reason is um, two reasons. Firstly, I feel like An- the, the personality of Ange Postecoglou, he's going to be like, he's going to come in and say, I'm going to be the one who, who sorts this guy out because... He's got all the sort of qualities for an attacking football team. He's incredibly creative, um, incredibly forward thinking and forward passing. And I just kind of feel like that's going to be like his little self challenge to himself, you know, as he's always done throughout his career. He's going to go, this is going to be my thing. This is going to be my thing. I'm going to sort this guy out and get him playing for my team. And the other reason is I just really want for one time in my life to see a midfield of Undombele, Bentenka and Basuma, a midfield three, because that Oof. sounds like the most fun midfield three. It probably will be terrible in balance and concede about seven goals, um, <laughs> but the vibes of that midfield would just be off the We could the win 8-7. Yeah. Why have I let you talk that, me into this, guys? This is I terrible. need to see need that some vibes. We need some I vibes. I need to see that midfield once. Just one mm. game, just one game of seeing it, because it just sounds too good to be true, and it probably is too good to be true, but imagine that, just for one game, even if it's like a, you know, cup game or something just give us it once please the elephant in the room of course we're all getting excited about fun football um and i mentioned this elephant in the room at the beginning but uh, our greatest ever footballer might be leaving us guys um what do we all think is going to happen and also what what do you think should happen because we need to look at this sort of in a pragmatic vaguely sensible fashion right because we're talking about harry kane 
you know, this, if we're being sort of unsentimental, which I don't know if is possible as Spurs fans, but like he really should go and play for Real Madrid at this stage in his career. He's about to turn 30. He's done everything he possibly can to sort of drag Spurs out of this quagmire of the last few years. And also, do we want him to go now so that we can sort of help decide his next destination rather than allowing him to pick potentially a sort of heartbreaking destination in 12 months? What do we all reckon? It's a complete emotional mess of a situation that I've struggled to unpick there, clearly. But Billy, what would you do this summer with with Harry? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I keep going up and down. My gut instinct would be keep him for another year and just hope that there's something that ignites Postecoglou where he gets that kind of like the culture right and gets the fans playing football and we have to throw an insane amount of money and whatever it is, he's worth it. You know, I, I mm. personally believe there's no reason why we can't pay Harry Kane £400,000 a week because that's what he deserves um, and we can afford it, let's be honest. You know, we're, you know, the revenue that we created is well worth the money that, you know, if we just have a decent season to January, just stick the money in front of him, just say, like, even if it's just one or two years and then say, look, give us one more year, two more years on the contract just so you don't go for free. Um, the counter argument to that is I, c- I cannot have him playing for another Premier League club. That would absolutely ruin me as a football fan. I, I genuinely think it would sort of permanently scar my football view in for the rest of the time that he's there because I, I would find it horrific. I'd find it beyond even comprehension how bad and upsetting it would be, even if it's Man United. I don't, I'm not one of those people that thinks he's going to sign for Arsenal or Chelsea. I, I can't see it. I don't think he would do that. But even him playing for Man United would absolutely break me in half. So there is a small part of me that's getting bigger and bigger over the last few days that just thinks, right, get him to Real Madrid. Mm. It'd be brilliant to watch him win everything there. But I can't, I just think like he is the best thing that I've ever seen playing for Tottenham. And I'll just, as long as we can keep him there, let's just keep him. So my 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 heart would say keep him, my head would say get him to Real Madrid. Tom, do you wins at the moment. Tom, do you differ at all? Are you you're you're often a, you know the more sort of pragmatic of us. Do you feel like bit. now's the time for a clean break, sort of fresh start, allow sort of Ange an extra hundred million to sort of help build his own team and his own image? Can Harry even sort of do the pressing stuff that potentially he's going to need to do in this system? I'm trying to convince myself selling him's a good idea. I'm not sure I'm doing a good job. I'm less sentimental and maybe potentially a bit more pragmatic about these things. Like, yeah, my heart probably says give him whatever money he wants, but I think I'm erring on the side of let's let's have a hand in where he goes. When we sold Modric and Bale to Real Madrid. I was kind of oddly proud to see superstars that we'd uh, made um, playing at Real Madrid and winning everything as as Bale did. And Modric is still fucking there, incredibly. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, the, hun- the hundred million is it kind of isn't the point for me because we c- we've shown we can spend that we could spend that money very badly. <laughs> Uh, in, you know, when you look at players we've just mentioned in Ndombele and uh, and La Celso, so yeah, 100 million would be nice. But my main thing is, I yeah, as Billy said, I cannot see him at another Premier League club. I mm. don't think he'd go to Arsenal, but I do not. I, I could see him going to Chelsea, um, and I cannot fucking fathom it. So 
I, my... And the other thing is we've got to rip the Band-Aid off at some point. Yeah. Um, and yeah. with the new, new coach, who apparently is very good at rebuilding squads, um, maybe it's now's the time. I don't know. And I think I've said it on a previous podcast, but I my worry by... Because it sounds like he does want to go this summer. It sounds like he would like to be given the opportunity to to leave. If we basically hold him hostage for another season, I just worry that he does end up being like, well, do you know what? Fine, I'm, I will go to Chelsea then. Like, fuck you for... You kept me here season after season, playing in these terrible teams. Do you know what? Like, fuck you. I'm just going to do what I want because I can do what I want in 12 months. I can choose my own path. Maybe I'm being sort of hyper, you know, sort of worst case scenario there, but I just feel like we need to be a, probably a bit careful about how we play it this summer because he might feel like after the City summer, you know, and after how terrible we've been, we need to do him a bit of a solid. And if we if we are given this sort of Real Madrid escape option, which is the least painful route, he might turn around... But of course, this is if he decides that he does want to go abroad. I think the the thing with Kane, unlike maybe a lot of players, you know, he is obsessed with this goal record, which granted he could come back and probably still do after doing two or three seasons in Spain. But the family are about to have another baby. They strike me as the sort of people that like being sort of around, you know, what they know and their close friends and family and they don't want to uproot themselves. Maybe he is just like, I want to go to Man United. You need to let me go to Man United. I'm not interested in going to Real Madrid. Who knows? But Rosa, I want to know what you think. Yeah, sorry, Harry, you have to stay. Um, you all make excellent points, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not about trying to control things. To be honest, I just, I don't, I don't think, I just, I don't think you can really. So, um. I think, and I, to be honest, I trust him. I don't think he would, I I don't think he would go to Chelsea either. And I also, like, I just, I don't think United are going to do it. I don't think anybody except Manchester City are going to, like, I think as long as Pep is at City, this league is like the Bundesliga, frankly. Like, I don't, I can't, until Newcastle get properly, mm. properly, properly good, which is not, it, they're not going to get to that level under Eddie Howe. That's not happening. That's going to take, that's going to take them a little bit more time. And I would imagine if he keeps it up, somebody, that's, that's the kind of job, like somebody like Slot has got his eye on actually, because he's kind of, you know, in the sort of next Guardiola mode, mold. Um, I just don't, I don't, if you want to win the league, there's no point going anywhere else but City right now in this league. So I would risk it actually, because I think there's a chance that he would just go maybe somewhere like Madrid on a free next year as well. So I just also like I can't I can't have this last season be the last time we saw Kane. I can't like I haven't I'm not I'm just not gonna say goodbye, ma'am. That you know, if it happens, it happens. And we had a last season with him and he broke our goal scoring record and that was beautiful. Um but I would not do it. I would not okay. do it. And I don't okay. want it to happen. I don't, it's not even sentimental. He's he's just the best thing I've ever seen in a Tottenham shirt. Ever, like the, the person who's brought me the most joy. And I don't want to let go of that really. Yeah, and one thing I will say about Kane as well, if he does stay, um, as Rosa says, 
is he's just scored 30 goals in a in a defensive team. Like, imagine if we actually get attacking, what could happen? Like, he could, you know, seriously knock some off that record. Um, mm. What is it, like, four, is it 47 left to go or something like that? Yeah, 47, 48, I think, yeah. Um, so, you know, if we, he might just think, right, I'll just give it a go, playing an attacking team. Um, I know one of the things I know about Postacoglu is he's all about... Um, the wingers isolating the fullbacks and getting crosses in the box. Well, that is exactly what Harry Kane thrives off. So, you know, there's a chance, I think, that if he stays, he has a really, really good season. Hopefully, there. I think there's a small chance that he might renew. But I'd just be excited to see him. He hasn't played an attacking team for so long and he's been scoring goals every single season. So I'd love to see what kind of output he would have in an, in an actual team that attacks. It'll be brilliant to see. Mm. Well, it's going to be a long summer, I think, with this. I don't think it's going to be wrapped up early, is it? Um on a sort of vaguely happier note, give me one, one. Not, you don't even have to say, tell me a, a name. I just want one position that you would like Tottenham to make a sort of decisive early transfer, an incoming transfer in. So if you do have a name, terrific. If you don't have a name, give me a position where you just want to see some early good business done. Tom. I mean, do the keeper because yeah. Lloris has... Um... Larissa, as I said right now, he's uh, he's said yeah, he wants cheers, to go. Hugo. Um, but you know, it is time. We should have mm. we should have planned for this sooner rather than uh, buying a succession of quite sort of terrible backup keepers until Fraser Forster, who I think did well when he when he played uh, season just gone. So yeah, let's let's if like everyone's saying, Raya from Brentford is is the guy, but let's just. Um, do that quickly because there's only so many decent keepers around. It's a hard position to fill, right? Okay. Raya for time. And, and a few other big clubs are looking for keepers. United, for example. Chelsea, like probably, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems like De Gea's done, for example. So, mm. um, yeah, let's just do it quickly. And he counts as homegrown as well, David Raya. So he's like double, doubly good in that sense. Um, Rosa, yours? Central defence, please. Okay. Um, yeah, whether as a partner to Christian Romero or, you know, to replace him, because I don't, I, I, to be honest, I think he's a bit of a loose cannon and he's one of the ones who might just actually like sack off the whole Postacoglu revolution. Um, plus, I currently hate him. So, but either way, I want a new <laughs> central defender, please. And I yeah, mean, we're going to, we're going to need to sign at least, I would say two, because if you imagine Longley's problem, I mean, maybe Longley does get kept on just from a numbers perspective yeah. and it's cheap. But, you know, if, if if you read all the reports and you believe even half of it, you're talking about, you know, Davinson leaving. I mean, Joe Rodon, I imagine, is going to get moved on again. Um, I, f- I feel like poor old Joe's the one, he's the one low knee that everyone forgets about. <laughs> it's just genuinely, like, again, genuinely, I, like, like, I forget the poor old. bloke exists. Yeah, yeah. he's... Also, he's he's twenty five years old. Like, wait, and Regulon's coming back as well, right? Regulon, mm-hmm. he's back. Another millionth fullback. We've got so many fucking fullbacks. I, I said to Rosa today, but do you remember when we were really stressed out about um, Real Madrid having the buyback thing on <laughs> on Sergio, and we spent Mental. like six yeah. months being like, "Oh my god, what if they just come back in the summer and that's it? We only get one season of Sergio Regulon." Just shows you how quickly things can change in football, I know, right? right? Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Um, okay. Rose yeah, all right, two central back. defenders then. Two, <laughs> at least six <laughs> No names, defenders. just get it done. <laughs> Anyone. I would love a centre-back. I would love like Alice's Mark Gay. I think he would be he would be lovely. Someone like that would be really good. Um, but I, I too think just get the goalkeeper sorted out. Just 
just give Brentford like 35 million or whatever for, for Raya and just get it done, please. Um, Billy, who's yours? Um, so I think I'm going to come at it from a slightly different angle. I'm going to say we need to address our homegrown situation. Um, and I would love to sign Alex Scott and I'd love to sign Harvey Barnes. Um, I think two players we could eat quite easily sign for you know, not particularly massive outlay. You know, I would also wouldn't be averse to Madison in that regard either. Um, but I think we are creeping up to a problem with homegrown players. So um, Alex Scott would be my my dream signing because I just miss signing the best players in the championship. And mm. I'd like to do that again. He's um he's a bit of a junior Grealish by the looks of it, isn't he? Yeah. Which and he's a Spurs fan. Mm. And he's a Spurs fan, so let's do it. I love the idea of signing Harvey Barnes because I can imagine how enjoyable it will be to hear Ange talking about Harvey Barnes. I just it's a great name to be said in a very thick Australian accent. So I'm I'm enjoying the prospects of that. That would be good. He'd be great, wouldn't he? Just I mean, I know he plays in the same position as Sonny, but um Sounds like we might have to start planning for life after Sonny if this Saudi interest in him for next summer. Christ, let's is, not do that yeah. yet. I know. I'm not. I'm not ready for that either. I don't want to say goodbye to all the Koreans. This, in the this, stadium. this Saudi thing is like becoming quite real and terrifying, isn't it? Like, they're... is is this kind of a good thing though? In a like, they pay up for your 32 year olds that you kind of want off your books. I just mean like if that's the end game for them, just to kind of have like a kind of super league over there, then fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, then just kind of leave us alone and, you know, take your <laughs> fucking oil money and your torture money and all the rest of it. Oh, just... what, you mean they leave our they leave the club ownership yeah. stuff here? Yeah. yeah, maybe. It doesn't feel like they're going to stop there, though, does it? They're... It doesn't. Yeah. I think the aim is global domination, but, you yeah. know. Uh, maybe well, they can't do both, surely. They can, yeah. Hasn't he just, um, like, bought the bought the sport of golf as well? He's like, yeah. The yeah. Entire, yeah. Just yeah. The sport he's bought golf. golf. Yeah. It genuinely feels like end times now. It's like everywhere, like, not to make this a pod dark, we've just been having loads of fun, but I'm just like, okay, so, like, all of global sport is just um, going one way and then and the other, we're just going to be taken over by an army of, what, like, AI robots, so. Yeah, just, but that is why, and I was saying this to a friend today, like, that is why us being taken over by a really fun Australian bloke we know nothing about. It's just great. Like, yeah. bring the vibes. That's all we, you know, just in the face of like yeah. unremitting misery around sport and just, you know, the yeah. global geopolitical picture generally. Like, give us give us some fun. Please, just <laughs> give us some fun. And I think we're going to get it. Um, good. Okay. I think we're all suitably revved up for Big Ange, so that's very good. Um now, of course, we're not just a football podcast here. We're a culture podcast too. And what better place to start our Aussie revolution than with some Australian culture picks? Um, where do we begin? <laughs> right, so we're not allowed to mention Bluey and we're not allowed to mention Colin from Accounts. Um, well, I was wondering, have we actually talked fully, like, in depth maybe we about haven't Colin spoken from about Accounts? It. Maybe yeah, we so haven't. I, I mean, I would... me and Rosa did a bit. Well, I think I'd only seen like two episodes at that time. I've seen, obviously, seen it all now. Has everyone watched all of it now? And it's so good. And Rosa, have you have seen you, it all? I have. I watched the whole thing. I finished it like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Did you like? Did you love it? I did love it. I did. Oh no, you didn't love no, it. No, no, no. I did. I did. No, I you really didn't. Did. You didn't. I know your voices, and that wasn't a Rosa. <laughs> I love it voice. That was oh, a. Fuck. I know you three love it, and I don't know how to couch the fact that I didn't love it. <laughs> you can be honest. Um, you can be honest. 
I'll tell you what it was, is that I loved a lot of it and I loved their relationship. And But I think there was some of the jokes like did not land for me at all. There was some weird stuff around there was there was this few sort of like slightly unpalatable jokes about women like there was a whole weird scene with the preg with the where she was kind of sewing that woman up and there was a joke about like a husband stitch that I was like I don't know what you is this meant to be funny or gross the whole thing was like or are you making a point it didn't work for me and there were a few moments like that that I did not enjoy um I'm very much here for their chemistry which as you know is like that's the thing that sold it to me but I think ultimately like I was watching and I was like, I don't really get why you guys love this and you didn't love Starstruck as much as I did. That's what I took away from it, really. Do you know what? It was, was the, like, chem- it was the chemistry people. thing for me. It was yeah. the, I you didn't did buy the chemistry. chemistry. No. Okay. okay. Starstruck, no. And also, I didn't, I didn't I mean, buy... You're obviously wrong, so wooden so. Starstruck. The, <laughs> oh, the, my God, Tom, get out. Sorry, get I know, out. You, I know you, um, you're a big fan of his, but... Um, he just wasn't a leading... Like, I didn't buy the idea that he was some sort of leading Hollywood actor. No, like, I didn't. That just didn't ring true for me. Whereas I bought the fact that, um, you know, he was a sort of brewery manager and she was a trainee doctor. Like that I mean, that was felt. the other sort of weird thing. But with them, if I hadn't known they were together in real life, I'd have been like, this isn't working. Oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. I thought they had amazing chemistry. Yeah, same. The, the, I would have been yeah. like, mm. you haven't watched it. Well, the two maybe stars are a real life couple, which isn't uh, isn't yeah. a um, spoiler at all. But did mm. you? Was it the age difference, perhaps? Yeah. Okay. But also just how she was. They were just very, you know, obviously that they were meant to be very different. But I think it, had I not known that they were a real life couple, it would have like strained credibility for me. Interesting. Oh. Okay. Mm. Interesting. I, I, I found it very, very funny. And I would say the humour, it's very Australian in that like the humour is like kind of gross in parts. Um, and But there's there's an episode uh, near the end of the series. It's all on iPlayer um, where they go to her mum's house uh, for a kind of birthday dinner, which is mm. the most kind of serious episode of the run, I think. But I thought that actually that it was very successful. It was very uh, dark and kind of explained. The stuff the with her well. mum really worked brilliantly for me, actually. Yeah. Um, what didn't, I, I didn't think the stuff with her mum's boyfriend worked. I thought that was so I thought he was a bit too terrible. over the top. Yeah. I thought like didn't... they didn't need to make him quite so like cartoonishly creepy. Like he could yeah. have dialed it down. I mean, it was it was making me laugh, but it was one of those things where I was like, I sort of feel like you're, I'm laughing because you're doing like very easy tricks to make me laugh. And I feel a bit like you're tricking me into laughing because it's straightforward for you to do these things. That's not a very good way of explaining it, but. <laughs> I know um, exactly what you mean. Yeah. I was like, this is funny, but is it? <laughs> work a bit harder. Like you can work a bit harder. Cause I felt, I felt like so much of the show was quite beautifully subtle actually. And it was like an easy watch. And I do think that their chemistry allowed for it to just sort of flow. And it wasn't like sort of whacking me around the head. Like a lot of the sort of 30 minute things sort of have to sometimes they've got to just whip through it. I just enjoyed it's like it just sort of bobbing along for eight episodes. Um, Big question: Where do we stand? <laughs> oh, without spoilers, where do we all stand um, on the birthday party argument? Well, who's who's to blame? <laughs> yeah. 
Her, definitely her. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm of a certain age now. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I actually thought that that was my least favourite episode, actually. Mm. Because it made me really stressed. I had like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I was so stressed out by that. I found some of the writing this with the kind of uh, non-binary characters, for example, um, I found it a little bit cringe the way it was written, to be mm. honest. But... Yeah, like they just sort of threw it in to yeah. have it in there. Yeah. But generally, look, generally with like you should go and watch it on iPlayer. Yeah, I think. I, even though I've just massively criticised it, um, generally I'm very pro. <laughs> and I like if they make another season, I will watch it. And but... as Billy said, the, the, Billy said the, dis- the title is misleading because yeah. they ignore the title. It's kind of terrible, Colin, from accounts. Until mm. you realise in the first episode where the name comes from, yeah. and, then you and it's one. the cutest thing ever. It's yeah. very, very cute. And he's also a voice in Bluey. Uh, talking of Australian culture, we have, we have to touch on Bluey because my daughter, my seven-year-old, can literally basically recount every episode word for word, which does show up that I'm a terrible parent. And that essentially, <laughs> Bluey and uh, uh, Bingo. And uh, the mum and dad are like raising my children, but um, yeah, he's well, one of the uncles in. Uh... Yeah, he's the uncle. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, the one I mean, who. Honestly, a, that's you know, why the is one of their episode. finest exports. You know, I won't rest until Big Ange has a cameo. Like if if because yeah. like Nat- Natalie Portman has a cameo in it, right? So I feel like surely Australia's most famous football export can be given a sort of small role in one of the episodes. I think that. The, the campaign starts here. I well, I need some sort of like Spurs Bluey crossover content. I demand it. Yeah. Like, there's a massive audience right here for it. It's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, obviously we've had it with Korea where we've just become the sort of focal point of Premier League sort of fandom for an awful lot of Koreans. I know that there's a big sort of Spurs following out in Australia already, but, you know, we're going to have like the eyes of their sort of media tracking us in a way that, you know, it's never happened before. I mean, it's, you know, the <laughs> obviously it's sort of nicely set up in that his first game as Spurs manager is in Australia <laughs> for the pre-season tour. We play West Ham in a friendly in Brisbane or Melbourne. I can't remember which. And that's that'll be the first time Amazing. he takes that's, the Spurs that's so team. Good. I've, got, so, I've got a shout out my mate Pete because um, he used to come to White Hart Lane with us. And then he moved home to Australia and he's one of the most ardent Spurs fans I know. He still listens to every podcast. Oh, not what just, a day not, for Pete. What not a day just for our Pete. podcast, but lesser podcasts as well. But he's absolutely buzzing and has done a great job at convincing us that, that Ange uh, deserves a chance. Uh, yeah. Well, Pete needs but to come on. Pete like needs you to said, come we've on. Got, we've got loads of Aussie fans in Australia, so I think mm. it's going to be really exciting for us. Um, is there any other culture that anyone wants to pick out from... Uh, from Australia, Billy? Yeah, um, I have got two, actually. So one of them is one of my favourite films of the last few years. It's from 2019. It's a film called Baby Teeth. Um, and it is a sort of coming-of-age drama about two teenagers that fall in love. And it's really, really uh, sort of uh, happy in some places, sad in others. I won't talk too much about why it's sad, because that will be a big spoiler. Um, but that is an amazing film of two incredible um, lead actress, actor and actresses. Um, and yeah, it's also the one which you will certainly break your heart at the end of it as well. That's a really good film to check out. And um, they actually have a pretty 
you know a lot of really good producers from Australia and one um, I want to talk about is my, one of my favourite house producers and a bit garagey as well uh, that's a female producer called Logic 1000 who I actually got put onto because Fortet plays some of her songs in his sets and she's got a really a couple of really good songs um, everything that she puts out is really good but um, two of my favourites are I Won't Forget and uh, What You Like um, they're both from two different EPs that she's put out which she's put out a lot of stuff and some of it kind of has a bit of a UK garage sound as well, but she's an amazing, amazing producer and DJ. So um, if you are one of the three people that still use Netflix, um, now that they've got the password restrictions on there, then I think Baby Teeth is on Netflix and um, you know, all of our EPs are available, Logic 1000, yeah, wherever you wherever you get your music from. Very good picks, Billy, very good picks. Um, Rosa- the rest of us to shame. Yeah, just talking about- I was also Blue just Bean. looking like, um, obviously like they got like, a lot of the film, a lot of the the films that were big last year were obviously starring Australian actresses. Um, like Tar was a really good film, and uh, Babylon, Margot Robbie. Like, yeah, I'm, my I'm, one I'm was I was gonna... of, looking forward to getting to a bit of Australian Spursness. Yeah, me too. I was going to call out. Um, I mean, I'm sort of doubly biased here for some various reasons, but um, the new Apple TV Plus series, uh, Platonic, with Rose Byrne, who I think is a spectacularly good comedy actor. I think she's like so, so, so brilliant in anything. I just find her hilarious and she's very just fantastic. She and Seth Rogen star in this series about a group of, well, a pair of um, sort of, they've just turned 40. They were best friends at sort of university. He then is about, he's about to get married to someone and she objects to his choice of partner. So they, they, their friendship sort of falls away. Um, fast forward a few years, he's getting divorced from her. So she reconnects with him and it's about how they, um, how they sort of reconnect as friends. And it is similarly to Colin from accounts. It's just one of those lovely comedies you can stick on for half an hour and it makes you laugh in the right places. It's got some really good sort of set pieces. They're both really, really excellent sort of physical comedy actors. I think the pair of them, both Rogan and Byrne, um, so that's my pick because I love Rose she, She's Aussie. She's Aussie. And in this, she actually gets to be Australian because normally she just has to sort of do her American accent. American, but yeah. she is able to be her Australian self in this, which is quite funny as well. Because she's obviously been in America for such a long time and she's married to Bobby Cannavale. And, you know, so her accent has sort of drifted quite spectacularly. So she kind of... One minute sounds like a Minogue and then the next minute sounds just like a sort of normal American person. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Thoroughly recommend it. So that's my pick. Um, before we go, and actually, well, Tom, anything else from you, Australia-wise? Oh, culture? I was just going to mention, if you're looking for a great novel for um, the summer, if you're off on holiday, The Narrow Road to the Deep North. It won the um, Booker in 2014. Uh, I read it a couple of years later, I think. But um Stunning book by Richard Flanagan, partly set in Australia, partly set in Japan, I think. Um, But yeah, gorgeous, quite deep, uh, upsetting, but also um, romantic uh, novel set around World War II. Uh, And it's really, really good uh, if you fancy an Australian novel. Lovely stuff. Stuff. I think we did a good job there, guys. Um, with all the ex- with all the Australia excitement, we skipped um, the most heartwarming end to the Tottenham Hotspur season, which was 
uh, Spurs women avoiding relegation and living to fight another day in the WSL, largely thanks, of, of course, uh, to our World Cup selected superstar striker, Bethany England. Um, Riza, what a fucking relief, eh? What, like, honestly, that is that is the thing that's made me, like, properly, properly happy this season. It's been so horrible being involved in a relegation battle, but I will say that this has kind of focused the mind, and in a weird way, like, I've got to know, I feel like I've got to know the team, like, loads better than I would have done had we just been sort of bobbing around in, med, in mid-table. Um, and the cool thing was we, like, decided our own fate, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the second part of the double header, which now feels like a million years ago, but we beat Reading 4-1. And it was actually like a lovely day, even though obviously the men's game was pretty miserable and loads of people left. But actually way more people kind of either stuck around or came back for the women's game than I was expecting. Mm. So I feel like there was actually a really, really nice vibe and obviously helped by the fact that we played really well. Um, and just had a and then that it was a kind of generally lovely day um my personal highlight was getting to meet Beth England afterwards I was like I'm gonna stick around I've got to have a photo taken with her and I went up to her and I said thanks for saving us and she was like oh no it was a team effort and I was like no no it wasn't darling That's hilarious. I'm afraid not. <laughs> it was literally all you. Obviously, I didn't say that to her, but I was just like, you're my hero. You're incredible. Please stay. So I'm just, I'm so thrilled and I'm so delighted that she has got the call up for um, the England squad in the World Cup, which begins in like a month, I think, and is in Australia. <laughs> so it's all, yeah. it's all going. It's all Australia <laughs> all the time. There's just got, um, I feel like something they're going to have to do something over there, right? I feel like, come on, Big Ange, like you're going to have to give us something with um, the women. We're going to have to do something about that. Um, maybe a sort of like sit down with the two of them. That would be cool. There's nothing so far to suggest that um, there's any names in the frame for the um, vacant managerial position. We've let a bunch of players go, including um, Keris Harrop, who's been with the club for ages and played most of the games last season. So, She's quite a big one to replace. Um, and um, Mana Iwabuchi, who is only on loan from Arsenal, but that's a shame because I thought she might stay. Um, so there's, again, there's just like loads of work to do, but I, hope, but I just like I haven't heard anything so far mm. about any sort of movements. Yeah, I think. It Let be. alone a coach. Like, it's yeah, just... I mean, that's, that's the big one. I mean, mm. yeah. I just like I literally haven't heard anything. I've still been kind of riding high off the fact that we have like escaped relegation. So I mean, I'm I'm quite stressed about the fact that I received uh, a tortoise for my 40th birthday uh, as a present, and we called her Shalina, um, partly you know for tortoise related reasons, but also named after Tottenham Hotspur women's inspirational captain uh, Shalina uh, Zadorsky whose contract is also up this summer. and there's Yeah, no... I didn't realise that until you said it. And yeah, they haven't no... said anything about it. I would be surprised That's what makes me... if she left. Her and, her and uh, your favourite, Roz, are both, their contracts <laughs> are also both up. And yeah, they weren't part of the sort of clutch of players that all got released at the same time, mm. despite their contracts being up. So surely, I mean, we can't literally get rid of like three quarters of the team, but fingers crossed, no, Janina I particularly, because... Think... She's been terrific for such a long time and feels very important. And I now have a tortoise that would, you know, 
I can't, she, I'm gonna have to. I can't rename her now. That'd be ridiculous. I mean, to be honest, I think the club have like kept players for worse reasons. So, yeah. Um, if you, yeah, if you're listening, Spurs women, please, you'd, you know, you'd be breaking many hearts in this household if that was to happen. Um, anyway, let's not end on sort of tortoise tragedy. Let's end on just me saying thank you so much to the three of you for joining me this evening. It's been a real pleasure. Feel like a weight has been lifted right we've been so bloody miserable for so long and i know we've got the harry kane saga part 27 to grit our teeth and get through this year but big Ange vibes baby we're back we are back uh, um billy see you soon up the spurs enjoy your lunch 